Hi everyone, it's great to see you. My name's Phil and we're going to spend some time in the Bible. So please turn with me to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 on page 605. Last week we were in um, 1 Corinthians 1, thinking about praising God. And we we thought about how, um, Joe alluded to this earlier, how we can sometimes struggle to worship and praise God because actually we're very much focused on ourselves and wanting praise and honor for ourselves. So we heard about getting off the stage, joining in the singing and giving God all the glory. So we're beginning to think about how to praise God, and we're going to carry on thinking about how to praise God now through Psalm 103. So let's read it. Page 605. uh, Psalm 103 of David. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we're dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Let's pray and ask for God's help to understand this, shall we? Dear Lord God, Thank you for this psalm that you have given to us, that David wrote about praising you. So we ask that you would help us to learn from David how to praise you. We admit that we struggle. Many of us here would say, in our experience, we really struggle to praise you. So please teach us. Thank you that you want us to praise you. And so your spirit is with us to help us. And we pray that you would tune our hearts to sing your praise. Amen. There's nothing quite like a log fire in a house, I think. Um, we had a holiday a couple of months ago where we went to this house out in the countryside. It was brilliant. We had no phone reception. I loved it. It was great. And in the, in the lounge, there was this wood burner. And it was, it was around January, February time, so it was pretty cold. And my favorite things to do was in the evening just get the log burner going. We put on the wood, and I, f- I felt brilliant lighting fire. It felt like very caveman. Anyway, and... It was just lovely to sit in the lounge and in the cold outside and just be warm and to enjoy the glow. Now, on this wood burner, there was a, 
a kind of valve, a screw, that um, you could tighten and it would close off the oxygen supply into the wood burner and the fire would just go right down. Or you could unscrew it and open it up and get down and breathe in and, and the oxygen just floods in and the fire would just raise up. This psalm tells us that our souls are like that fire. Our souls may be aflame in passion and praise for God. Or they may be like the kind of last lights of embers, feeling like the praise is just about to fizzle out and vanish. But also this psalm shows us how to breathe oxygen into our souls, how to breathe life into our praise of God. And why is it important to think about how to grow in our praise of God? Not because... God loves us according to how aflame our souls are in praise. Okay? It's because of Christ and his saving us. The aim of God saving us is to have our praise. Because our hearts used to be on fire for all sorts of other things. Our hearts on fire for ourselves as our ultimate joy, our treasure, what we lived for. That's sin, praising other things more than God. But now God's rescued us. God wants our soul rightly now as it's meant to, as we're made to, to to burn for him and praise him. So praise is what we're saved for. So that's why now, having been saved and rescued, we want to learn how to praise God. And when I talk about praise, I'm not just talking about singing. Though singing, I think, is one of the highest forms of expression of praise we've got. We're thinking about a whole life of praise, of delighting in God. So let's learn from David how to praise, how to stir up our souls to delight in God. The first thing that we learn from him is that your, your soul is a fire of praise. Your soul is a fire of praise. Have a look at verse 1. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Flick over to the final verse, verse 22. He finishes, he caps it off with, praise the Lord, my soul. Just spill over into Psalm 104, which is a twin kind of with this one. Praise the Lord, my soul. Go to the end of Psalm 104, there it is again, twice. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. So David wants to praise God, and there are plenty of Psalms where David just gets on with praising God. But in this Psalm, he has this thing about telling himself to praise the Lord and specifically tells his soul, or his inmost being. It's like, hey soul, hey you in there, deep down David, praise the Lord. So we need to start by learning something about ourselves. The Bible says that we are soul and body, inner and outer. And both are fully you, we've been learning that from 1 Corinthians, haven't we? Our body really matters to God and and who we are. But the location of the fire of praise is inner you, your soul, your inmost being. Your inmost being is the part of you that thinks and feels and values, which we then express outwardly. So my soul loves chocolate, and so my legs take me to the shop. It just kind of flows out. It's what happens. Or this week it's mainly been ice cream that I've been after. In my inmost being also, I believe things about God and who he is what he's done. But I not only believe things about God, in my soul I then value those things. I I delight in him for those things, you see? 
And in the soul and out of these beliefs and values comes this fire of praise, of delight, of honoring God. You see this uh, in, in a groom speech at a wedding, for example. So um, Ken and Sam, listen up, right? Um, you know, he, he looks at his bride, he's giving his speech. You can fake the tears if you need to. It's okay, guys. And he says, you're the most, you're the most beautiful woman. That. That's praise. Praise starts in his inmost being. He knows her, he's, ex- he's experienced what she's like in his soul. He delights in her and values who she is. And at the wedding day of all days, when he looks at her in that dress, he just goes, it spills out in praise and love. And David knows if he's to praise God, he needs his inmost being to get engaged with that. Because that's And this is really important for us to grasp because I think we tend to focus on the outside, doing praisy things. You can say praisy things to God. You can sing praisy songs as we have been doing. You can do Christian stuff. We can go hands in the air, hands in the pocket, face engaged, face not engaged. I don't know how, you know, whatever. And we focus on whether or not we're doing the right thing externally. We're satisfied perhaps just to go through the motions of praise. But we need to learn from David. Look, the body matters. David himself talks a lot in Psalms about lifting up his hands in praise to God. But he gets that the fire of praise is lit in the soul. Because notice David doesn't say, praise the Lord, oh my hands. Oh my hands. Praise the Lord, my face. He doesn't speak to his limbs. He speaks to himself, his soul. And that's where we need to focus our praise of God. Do you give your inmost being, your soul, the attention that it needs? Are you aware of whether or not your soul is a fire of flame for God or embers? Now, some of us go, you know, I feel very aware of how my soul is engaging with God and feels about him. But I worry for some of us, and some of the time we just don't even think about it. What do I think about God deep down? Do I really delight and value him above all other things? Do you attend to that? So we begin by simply recognizing that our soul is the place where praise comes from. Now we don't know really in this psalm how David's soul of praise is doing, how his fire is. In some psalms you get a sense of he's really in love with God. Some psalms he's just like, I'm dry as a desert. But this one we don't get it. But... The fact that David has to work on his soul to praise, I think that should really encourage us. Because it tells us that praise isn't easy for anyone. Praise isn't easy. This is King David, God's anointed king. He literally wrote the book on praise, the Psalms. And even he has to have this good word with himself. Come on, soul. You see, there isn't a human on the planet which finds praising God easy. Whether we're on fire for God or barely hanging on, we all have souls that need a talking to. Praising God just doesn't come naturally to any of us. Actually, the opposite is true. Naturally, the fire runs very low. That's why Jesus had to die for us. If the fire of praise was naturally high, that we loved and valued and delighted in God... We wouldn't have needed Jesus to come and die. Being me as them. What he finds in us is actually naturally extinguished hearts. Don't want to praise him. And so he came to rescue us and begin this work. 
So this psalm, as we read it, might convict us of our lack of praise. But it shouldn't leave us hopeless. God forgives our sins, including, perhaps especially, our lack of praise. Praise isn't easy for anyone. The Puritan John Flavel put it like this. It is. And so every Christian needs to attend to their soul. David needed to. Think of the most mature, on-fire Christian that you know. They need to speak to their soul every day. We all do. So David teaches us, as he starts, as he speaks to his soul, your soul is a fire of praise. And so this is how we then grow our praise. Breathe truth into your soul. Breathe truth into your soul. How does David stir his soul to praise? Because just telling himself to praise, come on, praise, 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 it doesn't work. What he does is identify the problem. Look at verse 2. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The problem that leads to our soul struggling to praise God is forgetting all his benefits. That's what he says. And so the solution is to tell his soul, don't forget God's benefits for you. Go back to the wood burner. When the valve is screwed tight... The flow of oxygen to the fire is stopped, and so the fire just dies right down. When we forget all the benefits, all the amazing, stunning things that God has done for us in Christ, we screw tight the valve and cut off the oxygen supply to the fire of our souls. If our souls forget who God is and what he's done for us, well, there's nothing then going into our souls to stir us to believe and then delight and praise. So what we need to do is open the valve and breathe truth into our souls. That's what David's doing. We need to not forget all his benefits. To put it another way, your soul needs truth like a fire needs oxygen. Your soul needs truth like a fire needs oxygen. It's truth all about God and who he is for us that can make our hearts sing. See, the problem isn't lack of reason to praise God. The problem is that we forget the reasons to praise God. If you think back to maybe when you first became a Christian, or when a, a friend of yours maybe first became a Christian, one of the things you might remember is a, just a sheer joy in God and what he's done. Perhaps you came to church for a while before you were a Christian, and everyone's singing these songs, and everyone like, seems to be happy and kind of in it, and you're like, okay, I see the words and I, I get it, but... I, I don't get it. I'm not, I, they're now it. He forgives all my wrong, and so on and so on. And that truth for you in that moment is like the lighting of a match, and the, your soul is just this dry kindling, and whoosh, our souls are ablaze for God, and just praise at what he's done for us. And we begin to forget God's benefits. The benefits, like David mentions, forgiveness of sins, uh, healing us, redeeming our love from the pit, uh, crowning us with love. God loves us. The compassion, he cares. And it's not that we totally forget these things. Like I've pretty much forgotten my six times table. I just can't remember it. We know, we know God forgives us. We know that he loves us and cares for us. But somehow in our inmost being, we have a kind of spiritual amnesia. 
The truth that's in our heads isn't making its way into our souls as oxygen for praise. Sound familiar at all? I know it does in my life. Let's think about why that might happen. Think about your life. What is it that closes the valve so that less and less truth about God's benefits is making its way from the Bible into your soul? Let me throw out a few potential things that could be closing the valve on truth into us. For some of us, it's time. Our time is just maxed out with our jobs, with our social life, with, with relationships, with hobbies. And so we don't have time for the Bible in our everyday to really get in. We don't have time, perhaps, for focus and Bible studies, things like that. And time, and we feel this, just tightens the screw. And less and less truth about God from the Bible is flowing into our souls. And I know for some of you, you feel this. You feel lifeless in praise, and you know it's because there's just no time for any truth to get in. We need to see what's going on there, that we're being starved. Serious. I'm not saying there are easy solutions to busyness, but can I urge you to be radical and brutally proactive if you need to be to make time so that our souls can receive truth about God and so praise can rise. Okay, how about this? How about distraction? Sometimes we feel like we don't have time for Bible truth, but if we stop and think about it, there's actually a lot of time we could buy back from the fluffy things in life that distract us. I don't mean cats. I mean uh, fluffy things like, uh, for most of us, I think half an hour of Bible truth being breathed into our soul could probably be brought back from Facebook, social media, time on Netflix. So we have a choice. Starve our souls of oxygen, see our praise of God disappear while we look at photos of our friends on beaches on a holiday and we just feel miffed that we're not there. Or spend time enjoying the one who supremely satisfies our souls. When you put it like that, it becomes an obvious choice, yet in the moment we struggle to choose truth. What about effort? Sometimes a simple lack of effort is cutting off oxygen in our souls. You know, we know we've got the time. We'd just rather do a lot of other things and get truth into us. Or perhaps we do actually get our Bibles open and it just doesn't feel like this rush of oxygen into our souls. Okay, I'm opening up the Bible, I'm blowing blowing truth into my soul, and you read the words on the page, or you listen to the sermon, or you come to focus, and you do the Bible study, and the truth just seems to go, duh. And it just just does nothing. It doesn't seem to go anywhere in your soul. It's not easy. Getting truth in is not easy, and what we're going to see is that breathing truth into your soul takes a kind of effort, effort that God can help us with. Now, with those reasons for Forgetting truth, not breathing into our souls, in many ways we're in control of a lot of those. Maybe they're choices we've made, attitudes we've cultivated, and we're, we're not doing ourselves any favors. But it may be that your experience is something different. Struggles and suffering can close the valve to our soul. So that even when we try, it feels like you can't breathe truth into your soul. The truths about how beautiful and compassionate and loving God is towards you is just clouded by the pain. Or perhaps in a time of depression, it's just silenced by the darkness to praise God. Your inmost being feels like those dying embers of the fire. Now, when we're going through those times, 
it is just helpful to recognize the challenge suffering brings to praising God. To see that one of the challenges is just grasping truth about the benefits of God when it feels like there are not many benefits at all to being a Christian right now. So what is it for you? It tightens the valve so you're not breathing truth into your soul to help you praise. So David tells his soul, don't forget God's benefits. And then what he does for the rest of the psalm is proceed to remind his soul of a whole range of God's benefits. Let's see how he does this. A simple way to think about this is he's reminding himself of truth about who God is and what he's done. Okay? Simple as that. Things about who God is, what he's like, his characteristics, and what he's done, his actions. So what we're going to do is just scan through these verses quickly and and see what he tells his soul. Okay? So David's saying, do you remember these things? Come on, soul, listen to this. Verses 3 to 5, he focuses on redemption and renewal. So he starts with how our relationship starts, forgiveness of sins, which of course includes forgiveness for not praising God. Healing of diseases, redeeming our life from the pit. Love, compassion, God's satisfying us with the good that we need, renewing us. Then verse 6, he moves on to the Lord's justice. His works are right. He cares for the oppressed in a world of injustice. Verse 7, he goes back to the Exodus when Moses asked God, God, reveal yourself to me. And God spoke these words from verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. David tells his soul, that's your God. And verses 9 to 12, God goes back to redemption and our acceptance by God. And it's just one of the moments where David is just as poetic as he can muster, where he shoots up to the cloud above the earth, so great is his love. And then he goes east and west, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions, that's our wrong, from us. Wow, breathe that in, soul. Then verse 13 to 18, he kind of slows down to dwell on the compassion of God. Verse 13, he's he's like a father, having compassion on children. He tells his soul, God knows you're dust. God knows you're here and you're gone. But God's love, verse 17, lasts forever. Everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love and passion. God. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. He tries to thrill his heart with the throne of God, imagining God over all kingdoms, the kingdom that David gets to be a part of. And then verse 20, he actually turns from his soul and it just kind of bubbles out to start talking to the angels. It's kind of like calls up to heaven. Hey, angels, everyone, join in. It's like Psalm 150. Everything that has breath, just praise God. And then see how he finishes. Okay, soul, we've just feasted. We've just breathed in all this stuff. Quickly through David, speaks to his soul. Because David makes real effort. We talked about effort a moment ago, didn't we? He makes the effort to tell his soul this kind of kaleidoscope of different truths about God, who he is and what he's done. I don't think this is David's default prayer. You know we all have a default prayer. You know when you're not thinking very much, you're like, oh God, um, I just praise you because you're you. Uh, You know when you're just not really thinking about it, we have a default prayer. I don't think David just goes, oh yeah, and then out it comes, Psalm 103. 
David carefully rehearses to himself a kaleidoscope of truth about God. And there's a real discipline. Notice how he doesn't make any requests. He doesn't ask God for loads of stuff. Our prayers, even when we're trying to praise God, we kind of so quickly turn to requests. Now, requests are good. We should pray requests. But requests are different to this kind of soul enlivening prayer of praise. So I want to encourage you, try and hold off requests in your prayer time for a good chunk of time and instead give more time maybe than you normally do to thinking about and enjoying who God is and what he's done for you. David has a kaleidoscope of truth that he carefully breathes into his soul to help him praise. But our kaleidoscope is even brighter than David's. How do the benefits of God come to us? Verse 3, who brings forgiveness of sins? Who came healing diseases? Who redeems us from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion? Christ Jesus. God revealed. Everything David celebrates about who God is and what he's done is put on brightest display in Christ. So David knew that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding love because God told Moses so. We know that the Lord is compassionate and gracious because the Lord bled on a cross for us. God is slow to anger. And so instead of pouring out his anger on us, he poured it out on his son so that his love may abound to us. How do you know, uh, verse 10, that God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve? How do you know that? Because God treated his son as our sins deserve when he died on the cross in our place. And he treats us with love and mercy. David says in verse um, verse 11 about it, the high heavens, that is as high as the heavens are, great, so great is his love for us. Paul prays a really similar prayer in Ephesians 3. Paul prays that Christians would have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We could go on. Every dimension of truth that David breathes into his soul to feed his praise, we have with more clarity and more brightness in Christ who brings benefit after benefit after benefit through his grace. So let's modify our statement from earlier. Your soul needs truth like a fire needs oxygen. Your soul needs Christ like a fire needs oxygen. And even in the darkness of suffering, the love of God shown in the cross can never be eradicated. The cross always stands there to say to your soul, no matter what is going on, God is evangelist in the 19th century in Bristol. He ran an orphanage. Apparently around 10,000 children went through this orphanage. It's incredible. He wrote about how to fuel praise. Let's just read this together. This is what he said about how to fuel praise. He said, In what way shall we attain to this settled happiness of soul? How shall we learn to enjoy God? How shall we obtain such an all-sufficient, soul-satisfying portion of him and shall enable us to let go the things of this world as vain and worthless in comparison. I answer, this happiness is to be obtained through the study 
of Holy Scriptures. God has therein revealed himself unto us in the face of Jesus Christ. In the Bible, we become acquainted with the character of God, Psalm 103. Our eyes are divinely opened to see what a lovely being God is. And this good, gracious, loving Heavenly Father is ours. Our portion for time and eternity. He's saying to praise God, your soul needs Bible. Bible truth about Christ, just like a fire needs oxygen. Okay, as we finish, let's just think practically. How can we breathe truth into our souls so that we praise God? Let's just think about personal Bible time. Are we supposed to sit down and do our kind of maybe daily Bible time and just come out with Psalm 103 like David does with this wide-ranging, poetic, beautiful thing about who God is? My quiet term doesn't look like Psalm 103, right? It's about God into your soul. So read a passage, any passage, maybe read from the Gospels so you're looking at Christ. And simply look for the kind of truth David looks for, who God is and what he's done. Just, just look and ask, what does this tell me about God, who he is and what he's done? Or focus in, what does this tell me about Christ, who he is and what he's done? And then just jot those things down. What's God like? What's he done? And then maybe begin your prayers something like this. Lord God, my soul praises you because... And just work through what you've seen. It's quite simple in some ways. Or you may even want to do a Psalm 103 kind of prayer. Come on, soul. Look at what you just read. Delight in God because of these things. So when you're reading the Bible, before you think about what the passage tells you you need to do, which is important to think about, think about what it tells you about God. Spend a good amount of time just looking at him and what he's done. Before you get to requests, find some truth about God in the Bible and pray a simple prayer of praise and it'll do wonders for your soul. Okay, what about Sundays? What about uh, when we gather? How can we breathe truth into our souls together? For some reason, I think many of us have the habit of not reading our Bibles on a Sunday because you think, well, I'm going to go to church later so I don't need to read my Bible earlier. Don't know if you, have, you do that. Well, I want to say that's closing the valve on your soul. Looking around at who's here thinking, do I need to go to the toilet before the sermon starts? You might be regretting the way you decided that today. I find that I enjoy praising God more I come. Why? Because I've, I've breathed some truth into my soul already and I bring that truth with me in my heart and the songs are just like there, ready for me to praise that truth out. Don't come in cold, come warm, ready. Bring the truth with you. So I want to encourage you to think about Sunday and these services. Maximize your worship time here. Make the most of this. Take in the truth that we share from the front when we're leading the services, when we read Psalms or whatever it is. Breathe that in. Think about the prayers engage with it as we sing the songs after the sermon maybe there's one truth from the sermon or or a verse keep your bible open as you're singing let that truth sit there in your head and in your soul and as a church we can help each other through the week 121 which we've designed so that we can go deep into the the sermon together and have a little bible study that's a way of going okay let's not just let the truth from the bible on a sunday just sit in this room when we all go Let's take it well with us into the week. Let's push it down into our souls. Maybe you could do some Bible study, a one-on-one with somebody throughout the week. We can help you with that. What about when you're going through those hard times? 
How can you praise when it's hard to praise? Well, I want to encourage you. Even your frustration with your lack of praise is good. The beginning of praise is when we look in and we see so little delight in God and we begin to say to ourselves, I want more than that. I know that that's not right. I'm not happy with this. Even though it's hard for me to grasp the truth about Christ. I want to encourage us in those times when we look in and we find nothing and we don't feel like we can get any truth in there, keep opening your Bible. Perhaps find one simple truth, one verse, and let your soul hear it. However faintly you might hear it through the pain. Your soul is this fire of praise. Let's not neglect our souls. And with God's help, let's breathe truth into our souls so that we might grasp the benefits of Christ and praise his name together. So let's pray and praise God now. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, you are our creator, our sustainer. You invented us and this world and everything in it. You are the one who has so loved us as to sacrifice your own son to rescue us. He's risen from the dead. He's coming back. Oh God, there's so much to praise you for. And we're really sorry that we just really struggle to praise you. We forget. Our souls feel so lifeless. Thank you that you know that. That You're kind and compassionate. You forgive us our sins. And so you do forgive us for our hearts of lifeless praise. And we praise you for the Holy Spirit who is in us by faith who can stir our hearts to praise. God, we want to be a church that prays you. We want to be a church that delights in you more than other things. So Lord, we pray that no matter where we are, how our souls are right now, you would help us to praise you more because you deserve it. We know you do. We want to have hearts that are free and happy to delight in you. So Lord, speak to our souls. Even now as we sing, speak and breathe life into our souls. Tune our hearts to sing your praise. And Lord, I want to thank you that there is coming a day when we will praise you perfectly. That 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 isn't now. Amen.